blush, when you were blushing bride, some of you ladies. You remember your your uh, your train? So you you can imagine. Now, some of you might think after I say this day, I'm gonna, when I get married, I'm gonna have the longest train. It, it's gonna go all the way out the door and around the corner. They're gonna all the. That, that's that part that and that's like the tail, the part. And he says the trail, the train of his robe. It, it filled the temple. I mean, it's like a crazy scene here, right? But I think it speaks something of what I, we will see in a few in a few moments of 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 the of the fullness of God's glory and and the way that God fills everything. And then he goes up, but we'll come. We'll connect that in a moment. What what is to come? But then he says this: There are these seraphim, these living creatures, these angels, right? Now this is this this is some wild stuff, right? He says they had six wings. Okay, some of you. You had six chicken wings last night, but we're not talking about those kind of wings. They had six wings. He said, with two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And then with two, they were flying. But it's not what they were doing that's so amazing, but it's what they were saying. Because what they were saying is so important. He says, because they were calling to one another. And this is what they were saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Now, catch this. Let's take a few moments to talk about this because when we talk about God being holy, I know sometimes the word, and I always say this kind of stuff, but it's, it's, it's somewhat true. Uh, the word holy has a lot of connotations to it. For some of you, it represents that angry person when you were coming up that at, in your church that always didn't want you to have no fun until you better live holy or you're going to bust hell wide open. You better quit playing that rock and roll music. I'm saying that to all y'all up in here. <laughs> holy. Some, it's, 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 it's scary because we think, we think of that as having to do with our behavior and conformity. And it has nothing to do with that, except that we live, we express God's holiness in our character and our lifestyles. And there's a place for that, but that's, we don't, we don't get any further back than that. We're stuck there. Um, but when we say God is holy, first of all, you have to ask yourselves, why did they say it three times? Now, some biblical scholars suggest that that's, that's, that's a thinly veiled Trinitarian motif in the Old Testament. Uh, some think that that may or may not be the case. I don't think that's the, 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 the precise answer. I, it might be. But more poignantly is this, that in, that, that in Hebrew, this, this threefold repetition basically is, is, it serves to intensify what you're saying. It's kind of like this. Let's think about it exponentially. It's kind of like God is not, is not like holy one, he's not like, he's not just like, you know, he's not like holy, holy. He's holy, 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 but it ain't just like three in that sense. But he is holy, if holy was more than one, the number one, holy times holy times holy. Holy to the nth degree. Holy beyond any measure that you can conceive of. He is absolutely, positively, without any equivocation, God is holy. And you say, well, what does that mean? And I'm going I'm to be honest with you. Because I, I think that there is so much in that word. And we, as we celebrate and we've sung about God's holiness in like, what, 17 songs today? But there's so much in that word that I think there is stuff there that we won't understand until we are physically and literally in the presence of God. But... At its core, the simple and basic meaning is that God is separate from his creation. He, you see, some of you may have come out of stuff where you, you know, when you, people tell you, well, you know what? Everything is good. 
God, the tree is God. The little scruffy, the cocker spaniel, that's God. Oh, God is in your car. God is in, the, he's in every little raindrop. He, God is, oh, when I see, that's God in that mountain. Now, let me tell you something. Oh, I know that they, I know they mean well. But let, let me explain this to you. God is not, God made that mountain and it reflects his glory. God made those raindrops and they reflect his, his glory. God made the flower and it reflects his, 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 his creativity and his glory. But they ain't God. Because you know what? I, I made some stuff and it reflected my glory. Some stuff I've made wasn't so reflective. I put some stuff together. And I played some, I, you know, I've I, I been a lot of places in my life and times. I've sung a lot of songs and I made some bad rhymes. Uh, I, I, you know. Played a whole lot of music, and most of it was pretty good, but you know what? The music ain't me. I made the music, and it sits there, and when I'm dead and gone, it'll be there. Uh, you, you made, you, 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 when you were in, in, in school, you went to, you, to the pottery class, right? And you made the little, you know, remember when we were coming, because back then they had money to, like, fire stuff. In the, you guys got kilns again? They don't use them, right? Can, can, it kills them to use the kills, but kilns. But but we would make a little stuff in clay, and then they would. T- it was so fascinating. They could make it out of that, you know, clay, and it's all. And then and we paint it, and then they take it in there and they bring it back. It's like, oh, it's all shiny and stuff. I made take it home to your mama. I made this, and you think your mama gonna use that every day? I made a spice rack in wood shop at Perry. I still got it. It's in my garage. Nobody ever put spice in it, but I made it. But it ain't me. Listen, here's the deal. He wants them to understand. God wants us to understand this. And he's, he's, this, is, this is the difference. Because what people were worshiping until God revealed himself as he is, people were worshiping the stuff that he made. They were worshiping the creature rather than the creator. They were worshiping the mountains. And they were worshiping the bugs. And they were worshiping the animals. And they were worshiping the trees. And God wants people graciously to know, get over that. There's no help for you there. There's no power for you there. They can't, the tree can't save you. The mountain can't heal you. None of these things can serve you. They are like you. They are the work of my hands. But he says, I am holy. I am distinct. I am set apart. I am unique. I am almighty. I'm incredible, amazing, supernatural, wonderful, marvelous. You know, I'm all of that stuff. I am so much different than everything you see. But I made everything you see. You get that? So that's why we have to bow before his throne and say like the seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. God, you love us and came to us in the person of your son, Jesus. You poured yourself into human flesh and came among us. Yes, you are intimately involved in everything in our lives. You are present. And let me get to the next part because he says this. They say, the earth is full of your glory. Now get this. Here's, here, this, this is the, the, the cool thing because he's holy. And so he's, he's transcendent. He's separate from his creation. God is not the chair. He's not the mountain. He's not the tree. He's not, he's not the L.A. River or whatever. But yet, the whole earth is filled with his glory. He said, I 
am not that, but I fill the whole universe and I fill the whole earth and I am everywhere present all the time. My glory is everywhere. And if you doubt that, you, you, you need to be reminded this morning because I don't care where you go this week. I don't care what you're faced with. I don't care who you have to encounter. I don't care what valley of the shadow of death you have to go down to get to where you're trying to go. The, 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 the whole earth is filled with, with, his, with his glory. And wherever you go, that glory will be there. Wherever you go, his presence will be there. Wherever you are, God is. You see, his picture of God. God is high and exalted. God is holy. God is separate from his creation. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Somebody said he's so high you can't get over him. They said he's so low you can't get under him. He's so wide you can't get around him. Uh, The whole earth is filled with his glory. He's everywhere at one time. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He says, I saw God in a way I I may have forgotten some of his attributes, but I saw, I was reminded that he's still high and lifted up. Though I've been down here in this, in, this, in this cesspool of sin and dealing with all these crazy folks, God is still sitting high and looking low. He's reminded that God is, God is, is, is intimately concerned about him, that, God, that his presence fills the temple, that, he's, that, he, that though he's separate from, from, from his creation, he's, he's present everywhere. So what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that we need to... See, we've been given... The gift that Isaiah received is unique. I, I, would, I would long. I, sometimes I pray, say, Lord, would you show me something? Because I grew up around all these folks. They were always seeing visions and stuff. There's some ladies in my church when I was there. They were having a prayer meeting. They, said, we, they got in front of the church. They said, we were in the church. And hallelujah. And they were, they, there was, a, she saw an angel up there. And then I saw, there was angels over here. Closest I ever got to that is that it's the church I was growing up in. There was this stain. Remember that stained glass at the back with the Jesus with the no face? And I was in there practicing the organ. I was about 15 years old one, one evening. And the church faced west. And so it was about 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun came down and hit that stained glass. And it was shining through Jesus' hair. And I said, wow, this really feels cool. This is like maybe this is a theophany or something. No, it's just the sun coming through the stained glass. I, 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 and, and I don't doubt that some of you in your life will have these kinds of supernatural. I believe that God does what he wants to do, but it's not a requirement for you being a Christian. And it doesn't even make you a real Christian because you've seen something. But in Isaiah's case, it was an incredible gift from God to be able to, to experience God's presence in this moment. Because I can guarantee you this, that Isaiah's life was never, ever, ever the same again. I can guarantee you that. But listen, maybe you and I have been given a greater gift. Because the book of Hebrews says that by the blood of Jesus, we have been granted access into the most holy place. The place where the priest went, and if they weren't right, they got pulled out with a rope on their leg. The place where people didn't just bogart, you like that word, up in there. You know, like church like this, you know, you come here, you can pretty much go everywhere, but you know... You know, some of those churches, some of the big churches, some of you grew up in on the east side. And where I grew up, there was these rooms that I didn't get to see those rooms. I was like 17, 18 years old. You, I never knew what was up on that second floor in the back. 
And you go up, there was nothing up there, really. It was just empty rooms. But, but, but now I knew. But you didn't just, but, but now. Because under the old covenant, yes, God was all of these things in general, but, but the sin issue hadn't been dealt with finally. After all, it hadn't been finalized. And the gift that you and I have is that we have been granted access into the presence of the Most High God. That's why he tells us since we have boldness, we have boldness, we can go to the throne of grace boldly. When we pray, we are entering, we are in, we are experiencing and practicing the presence of God in your life every day. Now, I know you don't see the throne and the angels and the seraphim and the six wings and all that stuff, but you're living as a child of God, as a, as a born again believer, you are living in the presence of God. And, and you don't have to, and that's why you, you know, you don't have to, and use this, I hate to use this term, you don't have to conjure up Jesus. You don't have to, you don't have to pray him in here, you know, you know, oh God, we just go, oh God, come on in the room, Lord. Come on down, Jesus. Oh Lord. Oh, we just, guess what? Where you are, he is. Wherever you are, in any moment of your existence, you live and dwell in the presence of God. You have, you have absolute unlimited. You have an all access pass into the Holy of Holies. He says, come boldly into the throne room. Come boldly to the throne of grace because I have opened the way. I've taken away all of the impediments and the barriers so you can go on in. Oh, but not, but this, wait, 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 wait. But now listen, listen, I digress. I digress. I digress. We know since he made everything, he controls, yeah, when he puts his glasses on, he, gets to, he controls everything. Since he's present everywhere, there's no escape, but there's also never a time when we're beyond his care. I remember what, what, what the writer in Psalms uh, 24 and 9 said. Remember these words? He said, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. And he says, and then he... he, he Posits this rhetorical question. He says, "Who is this King of Glory?" Now let me let me let me let me turn you on to something here. I want to ask you, who do you think? And if I without thinking, if I say, "Who do you who did who did Isaiah see in Isaiah six one?" You will say, "God." Then I will raise a theological conundrum because I say, "Wait a minute, God wouldn't show Himself like that to Moses." He said, "You can't look on me and live." Say, I'll let you, you show, I'll show you a little bit of the backside of my glory. And I pass by, you can kind of peep out the corner, but you can't see me. And John came in his gospel in John, the first chapter, he says, no man has ever seen God, the father, but God, the son who's at the father's side has made him known. And so what we get from scripture is that God, the father is not seen by anybody. So I have to ask you this question. Who is this king of glory? Yeah, so you say that. Say, so well, how do we know that? First of all, you recall that 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 Jesus, in his earthly ministry, in referring to himself, he referred to himself in terms that kind of got him in trouble because he said, "Before Moses was, I am," or Abraham was, I am. But if you look in John, the twelfth chapter, John breaks this down for us. 
I just want to, I just want to, I just want you to get this because in, in John 12, Jesus is, is here, uh, on the heels of, of, uh, being anointed at Bethany, the triumphal entry. And he predicts his death here in John 12. And then a little later in the chapter, it, the, the heading says the Jews continue in their unbelief. And even after Jesus had done all these miracles, he'd done all these miraculous things, they would still not believe in him. And so then, uh, John, John is writing commentary here on what's going on, and he quotes from Isaiah. He says, this was to fulfill the word of, the, of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. I believe that's from Isaiah 63. And then what he's going to do here is he's going to quote from verse 10 of chapter 6, which is just below what we're talking about. Because if you read just below verse 8, uh, what God tells Isaiah to tell his people is kind of like really hardcore because they're really tripping. <laughs> And it's kind of harsh, and most people, pre- preachers don't preach it because it's like, it's not as quite as pl- pleasant as the other, but it, it was the necessary message because prophets don't just tell you the happy stuff. They tell you the bad stuff. And God loves us enough to want to get us in check, and God loves you enough to, t- to tell you the truth so you can, you can get your act together. So, but he quotes here from, from the 10th verse he's, of, of Isaiah 6. He has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so that neither can see with their eyes so they neither can see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, or I would heal them. A little bit of sarcasm there, Father. Thank you. And I won't catch the comparison here because that whole blind and deaf thing, it goes back over the whole thing. You know, you just like, you know, the principle is this. This is a, this is a, a principle that you want to, want to remember. We become like whatever it is we worship. And so if you worship deaf and dumb, stupid stuff, you become deaf and dumb, and I won't say stupid. I'll just let you. He says, we become, so he said, so you see the connection. So he told me, he says, he's, and so in a sense, God has blinded their, their eyes and dead, and dead in their hearts, but they're, they're into that condition because they're just becoming like what they've been worshiping. But look at verse 41 of John 12. He says, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus glory and spoke about him. Who is this king of glory of whom we speak today? Oh, God, the father is, is there in heaven and, and God, the father is all of the things we spoke because everything that, that, that the father is, the Bible declares that Jesus is, but this Lord of glory that Isaiah sees in this moment, he sees Jesus, the Lord of glory. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul writes, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And listen, listen, um, uh, this is the perfect love of God is is reflected in Jesus. Jesus is the perfect expression of who God is. And the same Jesus that Isaiah saw, that same Jesus, check this out, this is what, what happened, this Go back and think with me. So here's Isaiah, Isaiah 6, whatever year, 700 and something B.C. And, and he's bummed out about Uzziah and, he, and he has this, he's in this vision. He sees the Lord and it's Jesus. A, the, a theophany, a pre-incarnate. Many of the appearances, so-called appearances of God in the Old Testament are considered to be pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus, of God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And so he sees this is Jesus. Now think about this. Little did Isaiah know, you know, the New Testament says that the things that were written in the Old Testament, the things that they went through and all that stuff, it said it wasn't really for them. It was for y'all in, under the New Covenant. They didn't understand. So Isaiah, in this moment, he's seeing 
the Lord Almighty, seated on the throne, high and exalted. Little did he know that that Jesus, who is large and in charge, that Jesus who is Lord of glory, that Jesus who is high and exalted, would someday soon, in a few hundred years, get up off that throne. And he would step away from that throne and he would take off that robe with all that train, all that glory. Lay that robe aside. And he would come down out, out of that high and lofty place, being high and lifted up and exalted, and he would empty himself into this world of sin in pour himself into a human frame and come. He, Isaiah didn't realize that, that that Lord of glory that he's looking at is the one of whom he will prophesy a little later in his, in his prophecy. Lord who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. He will grow up among us like a tender plant, like a root out of dry ground. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Little did Isaiah know that that one of whom he prophesied, who would come in the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that was the Lord of glory that he's looking at. And that God loves you so much that he, though he was seated in that high and lofty and holy place, he got up off that throne and said, you know what? It's nice being here, but I got some work to do. Uh, he got up out of that out of that throne and he took that robe, that glorious robe that he had, and he slung it aside. He said, he says, listen, sacrifice and offering, and quoting from Hebrews, you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Lo, I come. It is written in the volume of a book of me. I come to do your will, speaking to his father. Oh God, I know that doesn't move you, but I'll tell you what, when I think about the love of God as, as expressed in Christ Jesus, when I think about how he cares for me and all he has gone through, through to redeem me, to bring me into his presence so that I can have fellowship with him, so that I can get a prayer through, so that I can sing that old hymn. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Oh, and there's sometimes I feel bad, and there's sometimes I am depressed, and sometimes when I feel alone and lonely, and sometimes I'm confused, but I'm, con- I'm encouraged by the scriptures that this Jesus that Isaiah saw is the one who came and gave his life for me to bring me into the presence so that every day I live in that place where I can say, I saw the Lord. I see the Lord. I see him high and lifted up. I see him exalted. I see him in his glory every day. I see him in the face. I see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And this, this is what happens. I'm about to wrap this up. This is what happens. So when I, so, but you see it one way and there's this, there's various things that, 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 that God works through. Because when I'm at my, when I'm at home this week and I, I, I'm at home reading through this text and studying this for this message, Amen. In that moment, the presence of God in a special kind of way. And I, because I was glad my wife wasn't home, but I was it was getting kind of crazy up in there. I'm like, oh God, I feel your presence up in here this morning, you know, today. Uh, and that's that thing. And some of us, some of you need to you need to you need to go after that. You haven't gone there yet. You you read your little verse and you got your little devotional on your phone and you read like two verses and you say, I don't read the Bible today. He said, I'm on the read the Bible in 20 years plan. 
No, but man, there's this thing that happens when you, the God's presence in the scripture, when you take some time and just kind of dwell in there and hang in there and read it and, 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 and put it all together, let God speak to you. And then there's a thing when you, when you, when you, when you, when you pray and when you talk to God, that's the thing. See, you, you're not trying to work anything up. You don't have to, there's no special formula. Uh, let's see, I got to go back and learn Elizabethan English so I can get my thousand these, right? You can throw all that away. You don't have to do that. You don't, you know, when you're praying you, by yourself, I, I don't care about your grammar and your syntax. Uh, I don't care about, I don't care about what, you know, you can say what you feel and, and, and say, say what's on your heart. And in that moment you have access and, and you're always in the presence of God. And then there's this thing called church. I believe in the church because the church is the body of Christ and the church is the creation formation of the Holy Spirit of the people of God and the, the world and God has brought us together and we encounter the presence of God in worship in a way that kind of mirrors what we see in Isaiah 6 because we get to come together and you know what we, we as we come together he's there's, there's, he says there's some there'll always be something special I do when my people come together in the spirit of unity in my name there's something you will get there that you won't get somewhere else So we come together. And then the other part of it is this. Now, I'm not like off on the deep end somewhere. You know, I, my wife is Jesus and Dim- Demetrius is Jesus. Chris is Jesus. But, but, but I'm not on the shallow end either. Because here's the deal. Paul refers to Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ is living in me. He's living in you as a child of God. And you know what? When we come together, we encounter Christ in one another. We do. And, and because sometimes we, are, we have the abstract Christ, the one of our imagination that, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to re-envision Isaiah's vision. I wonder what he looked like. And then in my head, I just keep seeing that stained glass window with the headless Jesus, with the faceless Jesus that's kind of yellow stained glass and the sun coming through it. And that doesn't suffice. But when I, when I, when I talk to you, when I... Hear your, hear your story. I, I see Jesus at work in your life, and I see the presence of Christ in you. When, I, when, when we're fellowshipping and working, worshiping together, when, when we kind of come to that common ground to realize we have similar struggles and similar issues, and even when we, if we're clawing at each other and if we're fussing and fighting, we don't do that much around here. But even in our humanity, there's just something about being together and dwelling together and living together and working together and operating together as the church of Jesus Christ because nobody ever said it was going to be perfect, right? You know how that works, right? When you find the perfect church, don't you dare join it because the minute you do, it will cease to be the perfect church. So I'm not, I, I, got, I got over that a long time ago. I'm just glad to be like, like the old folks. I'm just glad to be in the service one more time. I'm just glad to show up on Sunday and throw up my hands and worship God and bless his name. I'm glad I'd love to see us come together and just experience the joy of the Lord. Cause I know that for some of you, maybe you'd rather be somewhere else, but a lot of you realize this is the best place you could be in this moment of your life because God is doing something special in your life. I got to finish. I got to, I got to stop, but I'm, I'm doing better than I was last week. But let me just, let me just. So this is the challenge, because this is one of the, you always get to the thing, well, what, what, so what should I do differently? Well, first, I want you to know, I want you to understand the basic, the basic truth that the, 
the, uh, the presence of God will always enable us to see God as, as he is. And it's, it's vitally important that we see God as he is and not as we would suppose him to be, as we would wish him to be, or as others would try to, to suggest to us he is. But we, God reveals himself to us through scripture in the person of Jesus Christ. In the context of the church, he reveals himself to us, and, we get to, and as we encounter his presence, we get to see that and comprehend that and internalize that to a greater and greater degree. But I would suggest to you that though we live in the presence of God and have immediate, constant, total access to the throne room of God, there's a sense in which there are choices we will make that will enable us to greater experience that presence in a real and practical way. Things like not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together with other believers. Things like carving out space in your, in your life and time to spend in his presence because you'd be, you'll be amazed what will happen when you really begin to allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, when you really, when you really spend time in prayer, when you really cultivate a personal relationship with him. And again, some of you maybe uh, because you say, oh, I don't know what to say, just, well, if I, if I took you out to coffee, you'd talk my ear off. Some of you guys are so funny because some of you guys are all quiet and demure and get, and once you get a conversation going, it's three hours. Yep, 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 yep. I call one, 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 one member who's not here, so they won't be offended, but I called them to see how they were doing this a few weeks ago. And I remember, and, and I said, I, I, and I was on a, I was on a break from something and I, I had, I said, I just wanted to say blah, 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 blah. And, and they talked for 20 minutes without a space that I could get in there and say, I, I thank you. And, you know, and it's all good because I'm like, oh, you know, that's what we're supposed to do, right? But that's what God, just pour your heart out to him. Tell him all about your troubles. You'll hear your faintest cry and answer by and by. You know all that. Avail yourself. Let's expect that whenever we do this thing, right, whenever we come together as God's people in worship, let's expect because what happens, I told you, Isaiah, undoubtedly, without a doubt, Isaiah has been, is, this, this encounter has transformed him. He will never, ever, and you can't experience this stuff. And, you know, there, there are people on TV that they have these visions and they have these out-of-body experiences. And they're never the same again, whether the experience is real or false. I don't know. And if, if, if they're lying, they're, they're never the same again because they still get paid because people want to buy the book. But the presence of God, really, you, you, you'll, you, if, you, if you really will, will appropriate, you know what that means? It means to reach out and receive by faith and to draw from all that is available to you. Drink it in. Lap it up. Uh, bask in it. Wallow in it. Just, just luxuriate in the presence of God. Don't take it for granted. Come to church early. Stay late. Get into it. Throw your whole self into worship. I know you say that's preacher talk. I, but I'm telling you, there's so much for us. Oh, God, God, there's some things in our lives that need to be changed, and God will change us first, and he does that in his presence. And so avail yourself of everything that Jesus has died to give you. Avail yourself of the access that he has died to provide on your behalf. And I'm about done, but Soren Kierkegaard relates this parable, and I think, I hope that you'll catch this. There was a town called Ducktown, and uh, on one beautiful Sunday morning, all of the ducks awakened, and they all waddled off to the duck church. Duck church. And uh, they all assembled at the duck. They waddled off to the duck church. They assembled at the duck church, and and the 
duck preacher got up and opened his duck Bible. They have their own translation. And the duck preacher began to preach to them. And he, he said, listen, ducks, you all are ducks. And you have wings with which to fly. You, so you can go places that other people can't go. Listen, ducks, you, there is nothing that God has for you to do that you are incapable of doing. There is nowhere. Oh, ducks, he says, you can fly into the very presence of God. You can soar on the wings of eagles. And as he, as the sermon began to crescendo, you could hear these, 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 these amens quacking around all through the, through the room. And then at the conclusion of the service, after the duck benediction was spoken, all the ducks turned around and waddled home. Do you get what I'm saying? You get what Kierkegaard was trying to say? What, what, he, what the writer was, was trying to point out is that we have a tendency if we're not careful to allow ourselves to be exposed to incredible truth and incredible power, incredible resources, incredible blessing, and we, and we go in one way and we have the potential to go out some other kind of way. We go in one way and we ha- there's the potential and there's this word and you know in pr- church we're preaching, we're preaching folks all up here and then we, we, we waddle in and we should be flying out. We waddle in and we should be running out. We waddle in and we should be soaring. We should be like, wow, let's get going. Let's get on with it. And we know what we do. We waddle in and we waddle out. We come in one way and we go out the same way we came. We come in bored and, and, and disconnected and we go out bored and disconnected. We come in basically feeling uh, disoriented. We go out the same way. And the thing is, you don't have to be the same. The presence of God is available to you to change your life, to rock your world, to transform every aspect of your existence. And so don't be like the duck church. Don't waddle in and waddle out. Waddle in and fly out. Because as we said last week, those who hope on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall soar on wings of eagles. So let's do that. The presence of God enables us. Father, let's stand. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the possibilities and the promises that are surrounding your presence. Most of us will never see what Isaiah saw, but we've seen, in a sense, something greater. Because what Isaiah saw was a pre-incarnate Christ who had yet to come and die for the sins of the world. Isaiah saw the Son of God who represents the, the majesty and the might and the power of God the Father. But it was before Jesus had died. And so people, for people like Isaiah, the admittance to your presence was conditional and occasional and, and, and not a done deal or a guaranteed thing. But Jesus, you died for us, you rose from the grave, and you said, whosoever will, let him come. You said, if any man or woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have given us boldness. You don't only give us access. You didn't just give us the key, but you are literally calling us and encouraging us to come into your presence and to live in your manifest presence every day. And when we gather, we have the fullness of your Holy Spirit moving and and, and, and just operating among us. And the possibility to experience your manifest presence is incredible. And sometimes, Lord, we, we sell you a little bit short of that. Sometimes we don't expect enough with regard to that. Sometimes we, 
we treat your presence like it's mundane. Sometimes we forget that when we are in church, we're in the presence of the king. Sometimes we forget that when we are worshiping together, we are in the presence of the God of the universe. He is present here personally in, in, in the person of the Holy Spirit to bring change and transformation. So, Lord, attune our hearts and our spirits to your presence so that like Isaiah, we would be enabled to see you as you are, high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Your train filling the temple. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of your glory. May your people be full of your glory. And may we reflect that.